Who cares about the conduits, Livic? We should focus on firepower and engines. You can't just activate some systems. They're dependent. They don't have to be. Guys, we need to get on the same page. I believe I can facilitate that. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Are you going to do a mind melt? Something less invasive. be happier than a milkman's horse. You know what you're talking about, Mr. Livick. And you are a heapin' helpin' a country-fried intellect, my genteel friend. I do declare. We've settled upon a compromise. Why does this work? Illogical tactics can sometimes lead to logical solutions. <laughs> it's beautiful. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me today, with the Genesis device, is... Emily Bowen-Marler. I'm Dangerous People. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be sharing a recap of the 10th episode of Season 4 of Star Trek Lower Decks. Old friends, new planets. As usual, make sure to follow us at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. Tell your friends about the podcast, and don't forget to give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us appear just a little bit higher when folks search for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. That's right. And of course, we just want to make sure you all know that we are going to be talking about the episode I just named in full detail, so spoilers will abound. We may also spoil some other things about Star Trek, like how, you know, two characters look alarmingly similar to one another. And, you know, so there just might be things from other series that are spoiled as well. So just be warned. All right. Well, as Emily mentioned before, we're talking about the 10th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It's called Old Friends, New Planets. First aired on the 2nd of November, 2023. It was written by Matt Damon. No, it's Mae Darman. And it was directed <laughs> by... Sorry. It just... How can you not say Matt Damon yes. when you see the name Mae Darman on there? Okay, all right. Sorry, Mae Darman. You're, you are not Matt Damon. Uh, it's directed by Bob Suarez. The in-universe date is 2381. And there was a flashback to 2368. The episode summary for Memory Alpha is that there is no episode summary for Memory Alpha, so let me try to do one on the fly. Mariner finds herself captured by Nick Lacarno, while the Cerritos must deal with an old enemy to rescue her back. How about that? Is that Sounds ominous good. enough? Yeah, That's okay. ominous. All right, cool. So we always start with our strange new takes. I'm going to start with my strange new take this time. Um, there is that sweet spot of temperature where it's too hot to wear like your cute winter jackets and it's too cold to wear your cute summer clothes and so you look like a fucking schmuck and it's i hate it like either get fully cold or be super warm like what's this in between crap um you know and i like fall like fall is nice fall like single sweater weather but i'm talking about that like like end of fall awfulness just sucks (laughs) I hate it. Uh, and for the episode, uh, we finally have now conclusively dealt with Nick Lacarno. One more thing we are grateful to Lower Dex for having resolved for us, and we just don't need to think about it anymore. There you go. <laughs> well, my strange new take, I'll, I'll do a weather-related strange new take as well. I just, 
You know, I don't know if other places experience this as well, but I, I find it interesting how uh, Springfield can have like all four seasons happen in one week. <laughs> like it's four. just, I mean, it's insane. It was like in the lower 80s and humid on Friday afternoon. Two hours later, it was in the mid 50s <laughs> and chilly. Mm -hmm. And then it was like 19 degrees on, um, or it was, well, it was, like 34 degrees when we were trick-or-treating. So I couldn't feel my fingers by the time I got home. And then that next morning it was 19 degrees and now it's gorgeous. And in the seventies. So I, I just, I can't figure it out. <laughs> so we've had all the seasons happening all at once or not all at once, but bam, 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 right in a row. So um, it's just confusing for us. Hmm. But I think my strange new take for the episode um, would be that you know i don't know if i have a strange new take for this episode because you have me thinking who's the old enemy that the cerritos was fighting the orions. oh the orions okay oh yeah i guess that's yeah they haven't encountered the orions that much though have they no the remember. old enemy as in like start you know i'm just making I, a marketing speech. it's true it's true and you were also doing it off the fly so it's very impressive so i thank should you, thank you i was just it, fishing for compliments thank it was you. it was more that i just you know my brain was like what what enemy is he talking about but oh well i think my strange new take is hmm what is this i'm really intrigued by the look on tendy's face in that last second of the episode so that she has this very fierce look mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm just i'm very curious about what is going through tendy's mind we will talk about it i will i will let, let's remember to talk about it because i got some okay. details okay great all right well let's talk about the episode so first of all i just want to point out we don't see ma'a or like any of the other people from the planet again no they don't do like, them at all yeah it's all done one and done um right. it's kind of depressing but here we are so the people that are on the planet, I just need to make sure I was catching following correctly. The people on the planet are the senior officers yes. and the lower deckers from all of those different ships are the ones that are on Nick Lacarno or part of Nick Lacarno's Delta fleet. Right. Yeah, Is that what he the, called them? Yeah. In the, in, in the Detrion system, no, right? Not Delta fleet. Sorry. I was thinking uh, that's getting Nick Lacarno and Tom Paris confused because they look exactly the same. Like their no, faces they don't. are Completely the same. Completely different. <laughs> Completely different. Oh my gosh. Rutherford's delivery of that line just made me so happy. I had to rewind it and watch it over and over again. I don't know. That's pretty the great. way he delivered it was so perfect. They have like the same face. Um, yeah. but uh, Nova Fleet. Nova Fleet. Nova Fleet. <laughs> Delta, you know. Okay, yeah. Nova yeah. Fleet. So, okay. So the lower deckers make up, no make up Nova Fleet. Okay, got it. Got it. Correct. So now... Um, we discover at the beginning of this episode that number one, Mariner, again, we had speculated she was at the Academy with Nova Fleet and, so and he, awesome. she actually meets up with them. And we see four members of Nova Fleet, but hey, guess what? Not the same four members that we saw in the first duty. Really? Uh, oh, be oh, wait. Oh, because one of them is this is prior to death. Right. That The guy, I think his name was Josh uh he we actually we didn't see him in the tng episode of course right. but he's alive uh in this so we see him and i'm guessing it's because they couldn't find the voice actor or the actress uh for what was her name what was the other lady in nova squadron um oh t uh, no i'm thinking of i need to look tapestry. this up. um 
Uh, yeah, so know. Walker Brandt, who played Jen Hajar, the Jean Hajar, they couldn't get Walker Brandt probably to come back, whereas they could find Shannon Phil, who, by the way, hasn't acted since 1995, and they got her to come back as Cito Jaxa. That's pretty cool. Yeah, isn't it? I thought that was kind of neat. So there was another woman that was on uh, part of Nova Squadron. I just couldn't remember. Yep, it was Jean Hajar. It was Lacarno. So were there, there were five people that were in the that were doing the formation. Correct. Okay. Okay. And one of them died. Okay. So so that's we we see again uh, Lacarno in his prime with right. uh, with what was the name of the, the fort guy Josh? I forget his name. Joshua Albert. Okay. Uh, and and Mariner comes up, and Mariner is Boimler in that whole totally. sequence, Totally. Right? She's, like, this nerdy, like, super excited to see Cito. And anyway, it's just, it was really cute and funny <laughs> and a little charming. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I think it's becoming increasingly clear why Mariner took Boimler under her wing mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show, right? Yeah, she sees a little bit of herself in him, even though she wants to deny it. Deny, 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 but it's there. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I think that was really neat. It was a cool way to start the episode off. And then we basically flash to uh, Mariner with Nick Locarno, who quickly explains everything, as all good supervillains do. Yes. And also sends a, a quadrant-wide communique saying, hey, we're in the Detrion system. We have this Trinar uh, shield. And we also have a Genesis device. I don't know why they didn't go like whole hog and then also say that they had a caretaker array, uh, a, a wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant. Like just bring in all of the Star Trek things into into the a single episode. I know, that would have been pretty funny. <laughs> right? Um, I do love that she called the Genesis device uh, GD. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> when she first said it, I was like, why? She swears. Why is she saying GD instead of just saying the false? <laughs> anyway, but then I'm like, oh, it's the nickname for the Genesis device. Like someone pointed out, it's like Wilson in uh, the castaway. <laughs> castaway, yep, yep. No face drawn on it, though. No, that would have been kind of cool if, if they had gone that far. Yeah, That would have been good. Uh... <laughs> so I think the Genesis device is, A, the way this episode ends, but I think it's also, like, the reason that everyone can't just let this rogue fleet exist. Like, right. if a rogue fleet just existed on its own, like, you could see, like, the plot being... Like, we, we would as reviewers be like yeah who cares like let right. them go and do their thing there's lots of little rogue fleets right um but because they have a genesis device they're super dangerous yeah however what i will say is this if the ferengi have genesis devices that sounds seems like one of the worst cultures to have access to that technology well and if the ferengi have a ferengi made genesis device that means that the one that nick lacarno had is not the only one exactly like, so i found myself thinking that i'm like ah uh, i i just have a feeling this is not the only one in existence so, so i think this episode does have a few like issues and mm -hmm. it's like plot line because of this and this is one of them yeah uh, it'll be interesting when we do reviews if we if we decide to look over these things or whether we ding them for some of those problems i do have to say i love going back like so this is just going to the scene where we first have nick lacarno revealing that he has the genesis device and he does the 
fleet wide message or whatever to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he's super expecting Mariner to be on his side, which I think he's an idiot. I don't know why he would think necessarily that Mariner was going to be on his side, but whatever. So um, I just, I loved when Mariner's like, oh yeah. And uh, no, this guy super sucks. You know? I just thought that I loved that part. I thought it was great. And I loved uh, uh, Captain Freeman's response. Like, yeah, that's right. You know, anyway, it just was a nice, I thought it was a nice kind of full circle moment for a mother and daughter, even though they're not together, just the way they showed their reactions and everything. I really liked that. Yeah, totally. Totally. So um, the, the the Cerritos does the classic like work on our disobey orders. Like Freeman basically reads the same speech as Picard from yes, First Contact. Totally. <laughs> Uh, all I honestly like if Lower Decks was a little bit more satirical, they would pan the camera and it would be Data saying, right. "With respect to hell with our orders." Yeah, exactly. Or they could, you know, just pan to Rutherford because he's got a little, you know, AI device right. anyway, right? He could say, th- to I, "Hell with our orders." <laughs> I, th- I really do think that was a missed opportunity. And the other thing that I think was a missed opportunity that would happen on Lower Decks, but not on other Star Treks, is some Lower Deck or somewhere being like. Actually, can you just drop me off before you go and do this? Like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You guys, be you. Like, live yeah. your best life. Put me off on the closest M plus right. planet before you go. Like, I, I really thought that, that was a missed funny. opportunity. Yeah, for a little that bit of humor. So funny. Which brings me to my final point before I, I kind of move on. Which is this episode was like a prodigy episode. It wasn't like very funny. Like there weren't a ton of things done for laughs in it. There were right. there were se- a few and several right. maybe even, but it was it was very much a serious like sci-fi episode. Yeah, this is like real track. Like it just yeah, yeah, it was good. I think at moments I was like kind of like this could even be like a children's like it's it's basically Star Trek animated. It's not uh-huh. a funny satirical right. You know, mm-hmm. so. Well, anyway, our Cerritos decides to disobey orders. They end up going to Orion and meeting mm-hmm. up with De Erica, who has a bodyguard called Baeth. <laughs> it's just, I just love that all the Orions basically have like human female names with apostrophes in there. Right. Uh, they'd be like, eh, Millie, you know, like at some <laughs> point. Uh, it'd be pretty great. And yeah, funny. I... Tendi's sister has now fully accepted the role as the matriarch of the household. Yeah. And she's... But it seems like she still wants her sister back based on the deals that they've made, but... Because she know. never wanted the job, right? She right. always... Yeah, but she she feels a sense of duty. You might say the first duty, in fact. <laughs> oh. oh, nice. Um. So, yeah, what do you think about the whole Orion sequence in this episode? Well, I thought, you know, so obviously, you know, you have the moment where um, Tendi picks who's going to fight Beth. <laughs> it's Dr. Bigley Boo. And everyone's like, uh, uh, no, I, I do. You, do you know what you're doing? Like, this is not a good idea. He's like, oh, no, she has really bad allergies. You know, fluff you down. And he does it. And then he gets crushed. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> that was totally lower decks. 100%. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Was, uh, he's like, no, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you know, then, of course, you have the... Then you find out Tendi has to has to trade herself 
so that they don't take the Cerritos because then they're going to get control of the Cerritos. And Captain <laughs> Freeman's about to hand it over, too. And Derek is like, well, I, got, I don't need this, like, minor vessel or whatever. And Phillips is like, hey. <laughs> We're the top class, you know, of the California class. No, shut up, shut up. Yeah. So that was a pretty lower deck scene, I think, overall. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%, 100%. I think you're right on that one. <laughs> I, I I, think the thing for me is I just, it, a lot happened in terms of like negotiations and I didn't really yeah. follow it. I feel like that was also just a little bit of like, a little difficult on this episode to keep up. Like, what are they trading for? Right. And then the the battleship turns out to be derelict, but they couldn't figure that out before. Like, it was just a lot where I was like... I don't really follow like this whole Orion thing was just a little bit overcomplicated. It's basically just the theme is don't trust Orions. I mean, basically seems to be, which again, like if we want to go back to my quibble with that one episode from discovery where they could have, I mean, like sometimes I feel like star Trek has the opportunity to subvert things and then they don't. And they just go right back to what they've always done with it. I'm like, Oh, but you were so close. (laughs) You could have done something really cool there, but you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I agree with that. And they do make some jokes, actually, about how Orions are all pirates in this episode. Right. Uh, But, okay, so essentially what then happens is that the Cerritos crew use the battleship as kind of a battering ram to get through the Trinar shield because Mm -hmm. they can't do it, like, because they have to use the Cerritos' tractor they use the captain's yacht. Yes. Which is also hilarious. The Rutherford being like, so cool to see the captain's yacht being used. <laughs> it's hilarious. And we get Captain Boimler. He was pretty good, you know. I thought he did a good job. And, and it's so great, though, when uh, Tendi goes, great captain's voice. And he's like, wow, really? Thanks. You know, it just, But it was also just fun to hear uh, him switch from captain voice to total usual Boimler voice, you know. Totally, totally. That's pretty great. I, uh, I I think this is one of those, again, growing moments in the show where it's like, you know, we see the thing that, like, the whole time we've been in Lower Decks, Boimler has wanted to be captain. He finally gets to sit in the chair. Mm-hmm. So I think this, this is one more of those things that this episode kind of gave us the um, payoff. Yeah, kind of um, full, things coming full circle or, or kind of, yeah. Right, right. And then basically Mariner's been having this kind of dogfight with a bunch of the Nova Fleet ships, avoiding them. And mm-hmm. basically we get a retread of the Mutara Nebula, right? Right. Oh, to- oh my gosh, there was so much. Like Travis kept saying, this is Wrath of Khan. This is Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this is Wrath of Khan too. And I'm like, yeah. And listen, the music is Wrath of Khan. <laughs> so- they used so many of like James Horner's like old... Like yeah. musical cues uh-huh. in there. Yeah, they really did. They really did. Well, and they had, I did enjoy uh, Mariner trying to talk all of them out of what they were doing. Like, like this guy sucks. Like, he doesn't have your interest in mind, you know, but then they find ways to shut her off or whatever. So I, I liked seeing her also try to convince the others to see what she was seeing as far as Locarno was concerned. And they, I think eventually they kind of did. Like that mm-hmm. they started, you know, she did was able to kind of crack into that a little bit. I thought it was the 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 fight on the bridge of the USS Pissarro was kind of cool. 
Oh, the one that um is that the one ship she took? Yeah, yeah. The one the I final catch, battle with, with I couldn't Locarno. catch the name. Yeah, so the that's ship. there's actually a story behind it. I Have was you, wondering, I figured they've seen this. So I believe it's a class that we've um I I I think it's a class that's been in like the books or something, but okay. I'm not it looks vaguely familiar to me. The ship design did, or like it was a mashup of something. Or... Yeah, so it's the Saber Runner class, okay. and I'm gonna look up and see where that's been featured in the past. So Fabio Passaro was a CGI artist who's worked on a bunch of Star Trek stuff, uh -huh. and he passed away in 2022. Okay. So it's um, it's it's one of those things that like. The, the ship was kind of, it's, it's like they've done this in Trek a bunch. You know, you, what is it, the Yelchin class, I think we had. Uh -huh. The USS Yelchin, I think. And then yeah, we had the, yeah. the one for um, the actor who played Nog, whose name I'm now blanking on. Yeah, Aaron Eisenberg. Yeah, so we had like, the was it the USS Nog or was it? I think it was the, yeah, I think it was the USS Nog. Yeah, so you have some of that, like, again, in Lower Decks as well. Well, and because they had, so I don't know if this would be for real or not, but they had the, um, uh, with Nog in the proposed season eight of Deep Space Nine. If you, have you seen the documentary that what we leave behind, um, documentary yeah, about Deep Space Nine. Yeah, a long time ago. And they, they have, uh, Nog, Nog is killed in the, you know, hypothetical season eight or whatever. And I remember Aaron Eisenberg's like, What? You kill me off, like you bring me back just to kill me off, and then but so that's that's why they have the USS Nog because it's in memory of the heroic death and battle <laughs> that Nog had or something. Yeah. I don't know. By the way, Notch, did you see mm -hmm. that you were in Lower Decks? Oh wow, I did not catch that character. I need uh, to go back and get a bunch of screenshots of this. Apparently, there's a dude in engineering standing near Livick who also <laughs> looks like he's like a lieutenant, a full lieutenant. Yeah. And it's totally not, y'all. It is. And so I took a Complete picture. Complete with the new gray hairs that I've got. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, I, I, I paused it every round. I go, Travis, that's not. <laughs> I paused every round and took a picture of it. I sent it to the lounge, but you didn't see it. Um, I should have tagged you in it when I sent it to the lounge. But anyway, I think it may not have gone through. There was some photo I tried to send that didn't go through, and that might have been it. But I had to make sure you saw that you were in Lower Decks because apparently the creators of Lower Decks listened to our podcast, and they wanted to do an homage to you in the episode. That's very <laughs> funny. Uh, I, I I need to now know if this person has a name or if is they're one of the like unnamed crew on. Yeah, the I don't even think they said anything. Like, there's three people. I just showed you two people in it, but there's three people in the shot. That mm -hmm. was a cropped version, but um, yeah, there's a woman that's in the shot also. I don't know who she is. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. A, so I mean. This is great podcasting, y'all. As I am talking about a picture but, that. But I'm you showing. bring up a good point that when when they when they we didn't which we missed when they're fixing up the battleship, Livick and Rutherford. So this episode has a bunch of stuff from like previous episodes that it called major back. callbacks. Yes. Yeah, like the Livick and Rutherford fight, that is then resolved. Dylan being like, I know how we fix this, and it's freaking dual yes. planes. <laughs> yes, and they do fix it, but then when they're not when they're not Mark Twain. Later on in the episode, they still hate each other. Or he's like, exactly. You know, he's like, oh, it's only that way when we're Mark Twain. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. 
So um, the episode basically ends with, I thought it was brilliant that of course a Ferengi bomb would have a paywall for its diffusion. Yes. Like, <laughs> makes so much sense. Uh, it it's great. And, uh, but again, I think the Genesis device and the fact that you can have more than one is kind of very dangerous, that you can just put a planet anywhere you want. Like, that is a major gravitational anomaly in the system. Like, things are going right. to happen because this planet exists. Like, moons are going to move out of alignment and stuff. Right. Uh, and much like, you know, Wrath of Khan, like that, the fact that, uh, City Alpha 4, no, this is City Alpha 5. <laughs> it's like, you know, because, you know, one of the City Alpha other things blew up. So the change, the like complete, completely changed the, the type of planet the other one was. So yes. anyway, but did you notice that the, the, the plat, like the, the, plume after the genesis device exploded was the colvord starburst colvord star oh i didn't notice that that's funny i'll have to go back and check yeah so he did that in his death exactly he basically <laughs> his entire life was about this one like maneuver <laughs> um and then we have basically like you know the the the, the sequence and the mess hall where everyone's like you know kind of like typical like lower decks lower decks but then tendy gets taken away mm -hmm. as part of the deal and at the end you notice that she has a kind of weird look on her face about yeah. going back and basically what's playing in the background is tendy's action theme from the ds9 episode of oh lower yeah okay so it kind of implies that she's on a mission. Yeah. Well, and she she even implies that outright when she says, no, this is something I have to do. You know, yeah. I can't remember if she says it to Rutherford or to, it, she says it to one of them when she's saying, well, you could tell Rutherford's just heartbroken that she's leaving. How did they not kiss? Like, are you I know, kidding me? Like, the two I of them know. had to, like, they should have just made him kiss and, like, that would have been the moment that, like, you know. Yeah. But missed opportunity, I think. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Someone called this episode the Bad Wolf season of um, Star Trek What's because that? they felt like it had like this. There were lots of little callbacks to things that had happened previously in the season and lots of payoffs from things that you saw throughout the season had a payoff in this episode. Um I'm just yeah. thinking about because I mean, and even even the stuff with Tendi. I mean, it's like you kind of, so you kind of tease out Tendi's story about the midway point of the season, and they do even more with it. Like they they build on it even more when they get to this episode. Yeah, no, totally. I I think this season more than any other of Lower Decks has had like things come together. Yeah, that were like seeds laid throughout the whole episode like not like like there was stuff in the backlit season where it was like oh the backlit is this and everything's explained at the end but this season it would be like it's like little nuggets of like plot lines from before that mm -hmm. don't directly relate to nick locarno came together in this one right i really liked it right no i i agree all right well emily any other points in this episode before we move on I don't think so, except that Nick Locarno and Tom Paris look awfully alike. Don't know they what you're talking like about. They have, like, the same face. Don't Doesn't look anything like them. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's ask the question of ratings. 
Would you like to stick your neck out and give this episode a strange new rating or should I? I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a 4.5 like I did last episode because I just mm-hmm. think they were strong. I think they were both strong episodes um, and they were kind of, you know, they had the to be continued. And a lot of times we have one episode that's weaker than the other when you have a to be continued mm-hmm. on it. But I actually think they were both, I think they were both pretty solid. I liked, I liked different aspects of it. I, I really appreciated um, having Mariner's character just kind of, the uh, name what's going on with her and hopefully we'll be able to start not move past it, but at least it's been acknowledged. And so some of her Mm -hmm. shenanigans, I think will be um, less in the future. There'll be different types of shenanigans. (laughs) Which you just reminded me, we didn't really go deeply into that stuff. So there's still a lot of Mariner backstory Mm -hmm. that like, and like processing that we haven't seen. And maybe we get more of that next season. Also, it was fun to see Will Wheaton again, or hear Will Wheaton again. Brief cameo, one line. Um, I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. I liked it. I think, though, that there's the kind of missed opportunities and some of the, like, kind of few things where it's just like, oh, this is a little hard for me to buy. I don't think they would have been particularly hard for them to fix. Yeah. So I I got a ding half a point for that. All right, well. Um, before we go, let me mention, I think we're going to be on break for a couple of months until Bill and Adam's kids grow up. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. We're going to be on break until Discovery comes back. And so just watch out. Maybe here and there, if, if the sun strikes us right, we might do an episode or two. But right. for the moment, it looks like it's going to be until we get new Star Trek again, which should be early next year at some point. So stay tuned. We shall return. These yes. might be very ominous words, uh, depending <laughs> on what happens. I really hope not. Uh, <laughs> but I'll say thanks, Emily, for joining me to talk about this episode and most of the back half of the season. <laughs> thanks, Notch. I, I really hope that that both of us are okay <laughs> in the future. <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, thanks, Bill, Adam, and Rudy, whatever, wherever it is y'all are, whatever it is y'all are doing. And I hope Reed. you're having a great time. And read. Shit. Yeah, read too. <laughs> Read two. Read more than the other three. How about that? Yeah. He's been on it more recently than they have. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Thank you, dear listeners, for making time for us this week. We always appreciate you including us in your podcast rotation. And thank you just to Guava recording our theme music. We always appreciate you hearing you strum away at the Klingon theme. And special thanks this week to Nicola Carno for setting the template of Tom Paris and then being nice enough to die so we don't have to deal with you again. (laughs) Until we see you at the beginning of next season inside our uh, photon torpedo shell on the Genesis planet. Alright, thanks everybody. See you in a few months. Goodbye. Bye.